Hey friends, this is Andy Storch, and I'm excited to announce that we are bringing the Talent Development Think Tank Conference back on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. Yes, you might remember we hosted this conference for the first time in January 2020, and it was a huge hit with everyone telling us it was the best conference they ever attended. And of course, we were looking forward to running it again in 2021 until the pandemic hit. That's when I launched the Talent Development Think Tank membership community, and that's been going strong since May of 2020. But I know how valuable it is to get people together in person, and that's why we are excited to be bringing the conference back again on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. I'm committed to making this a highly engaging and interactive event where you can connect, learn, and grow together with other talent development professionals. This is going to be the best event out there in talent development, and I would love to see you there. If you want to find more information and get your tickets today, the website is tdtt.us conference. That's tdtt.us slash conference. I hope to see you there. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat, a show where I interview business executives, talent development professionals, and thought leaders to find out what has been successful and challenging in the world of talent development. My objective is to share ideas, valuable lessons, tools, advice, and trends. My hope is that all of this will ultimately help you, the listener, expand your knowledge, grow your career, and accelerate your success as a talent development professional. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat. I am your host, Andy Storch, and I'm excited to have Tim Hagen on the podcast today. Tim is a nationally known leader and trainer of coaching leadership skills. He is a pioneer in the field of coaching training for the past 20 plus years. Tim is the president of multiple companies, including Progress Coaching, W2 Partners, and The Sales Difference, and a regular contributor to Forbes as a member of the Coaches Council. And now, most importantly, he is a guest on this show. Tim, welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat. Hey, Andy, how you doing? Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for uh, for coming on. This has been kind of a long time coming. You and I have been chatting a little bit off and on for, I don't know, several months now. And uh, it's great to finally get this together because I know you have been doing a lot of interesting things in the talent development space for the last 20 plus years and have a big following because of that. So um, maybe we start with a little bit of your background and who you are and how you got to where you are today. Sure. I started out my career at IBM and went into technology training and started to realize a lot like we still have today, the, the training model is very much about, you know, getting buns and seats and filling up online courses or, you know, workshops and seminars. And so I have a very strong coaching background and adult education background. So I created a solution for technology coaching. And then as I started to realize, you know, leadership and training and customer service and things like that, a big missing component was that coaching piece. So we literally started teaching coaching to managers over 23 years ago, which was pretty innovative back then. Now it seems like everybody's doing it. So our biggest claim to fame is we're probably one of the major companies that started a coaching movement in terms of teaching managers how to coach their employees. Which is a big deal because management has been around for decades, generations, People have probably only been talking about coaching and having those coaching conversations for maybe the last, I don't know, how long would you say? I'd say consistently, we've heard probably the last three to five years, but okay. we've always known for the last 20, the number one reason somebody quits an organization is typically what? Their manager. Yep. Absolutely. And you know, I hear more lately, not just a manager, but culture. But yeah, we've always heard the, the mantra, people join a company, but they leave because of the manager. And most likely, it's because that manager is diminishing them is a micromanager hard to work with, or they're just not having 
coaching conversations, not really helping them develop, right? Yeah, you know, we use an analogy all the time. And as I've shared with you in the past, you know, I do a lot of youth sports coaching. I still coach uh, boys volleyball. You know, the number one thing that kids hate about youth sports is what? The drive home with the parents, because what do we do? We go into corrective action mode. Mm. What happens in the corporate world? Andy, I need to see in my office right away. What's the employee's first response? It's usually, uh-oh, what did I do wrong? Well, why is that? Yeah, yeah, we've created that expectation. And so the conversation and the power of our words really have an impact. And I would even say lately, as companies are investing more into coaching, you know, we have things like texting, artificial intelligence. People have less and less time. We're going from meeting to meeting. We're online all the time. But then when we sit down with our employees, a lot of times we don't have as much time. And so in that moment, you know, how are we really conversing? Are we listening? And I always use the phrase, are we listening to respond or listening to understand? And we have a lot of strong initiatives in the workplace. A lot of times that communication comes at the expense of the employee. Yeah, it's interesting. You mentioned time and, uh, you know, that's probably one of the biggest challenges, complaints that we hear out there, right? In the working world, there's so many distractions, so many things going on. We've got to prioritize how to spend our time at work. And what I also think of is incentives because people spend their time in areas that match their incentives or their values, right? So do you think there's a mismatch that a lot of people are incentivized to do certain actions that don't really involve coaching their, their people? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it happens every single day. I, I think when we think about coaching in that conversation, one of the big misnomers, going back to your point about time, is a lot of managers, when they hear coaching, their immediate knee-jerk reaction is, there's no way I have time with all 10 employees for 30 to 45 minutes a week. Right. So, you know, when I think about your company and, and the Advantage uh, Performance Group, our company, you know, we're not all sub- telling everybody to coach every one of your employees for an hour a week. Right. We teach people to have thoughtful conversations, targeted conversations, sometimes in as little as eight to 10 minutes. Mm. The second thing we also teach is something called supplemental coaching. How do I facilitate talent development when I'm physically not present? which allows them to open their mind and scale their time. But I would tell you, you know, you brought up a great example of, you know, the business imperatives and the initiatives. It's very typical in sales. You know, how do I have a conversation with someone whose sales are lacking? What do we typically do? We tell them to increase their sales as if they didn't know that. But what's underneath that? Is it they don't know how to negotiate? They have a fear of closing. They have a fear of asking for the order. All of those encompass different coaching initiatives that need to take place. So to not take time is really kind of leaving status quo in place. And I think managers, I think we're at the forefront of them starting to get that. Yeah, and one of the other things that I think is really common is for managers to jump right away into advice mode, right? They're the expert or they feel like they have to be the expert. So my employee is struggling. Let me come in. I've got to have a solution. They're probably struggling with closing. So let me bring some, you know, some training or teach them how to close better when it could be a time management issue. It could be a lead generation issue. It could be all kinds of things. They sure. don't know until they ask the right questions. I would tell you that, you know, when you think about coaching, if you don't define it, and we encourage all of our clients and every company that is watching this and listening to this podcast, start with a definition of coaching. Mm. And the number two thing that we always share with people is make sure that your managers, your leaders, your coaches leave every session with a minimum of learning two new things. Because the only way you're going to do that is to ask questions and listen. That's a trust in the game changer. So often people will go into it and we've talked about sales a little bit and we do a lot of work and I know your company does with non-sales. And the fact of the matter is if we are 
going to gravitate to, well, no, 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 here's the way I used to do it. And what we do is we discount that person. So if you're confident, Andy, and let's say closing, you really love the close, you're ready to get that deal. But I have an apprehension and a nervousness because I don't want to be viewed as the overbearing salesperson. Your advice is not going to resonate with me. You might want to find out by saying, well, Tim, you know, how would you describe how you feel when you have to close? And then all of a sudden I say, geez, Andy, I'm pretty nervous. Guess what happens? You have greater clarity where to coach me. Yeah, it's just as simple as asking the questions mm-hmm. and even going deeper, right? Well, why do you get nervous? Is it because of the pressure? Is it because of the type of clients? Is it because of past experience? And then helping to diagnose that issue so you can go deeper on it. Yeah, and, and it's a, as simple as what you just said is, going from telling to asking questions is a huge transition for a lot of leaders. Mm-hmm. Going from advising people to understanding what your strengths and how do I leverage those strengths and how do I address opportunities of improvement? That's a huge transition for people. We actually do something for clients where we actually measure their conversations. One of the greatest guys I've ever met in my life, really well-intended. If you ever met him, I mean, just really engaging. His employees loved him. We scored one of his coaching conversations. He used the word, but 29 times in the first nine minutes. Mm. Great guy, but when you read the transcript, your first thought was, wow, it sounds like he's trying to start an argument. Yeah. That wasn't his intention. Yeah. He wasn't even aware that he does that. Therefore, there's an opportunity to improve. That's true. We're oftentimes not aware of these things until we get some feedback. You yourself just said he was a great guy, but... Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the appropriate but, Andy. <laughs> but he had some things that he could improve on. Sure. All right, so... I know you do a lot of work on this ability to teach, you know, conversational skills that drive talent development. We talked about starting with the definition of coaching and making sure people leave sessions with, you know, some clear takeaways. What are some other tips that you have for managers to have great coaching conversations? Plan the session. Make sure your coaching is targeting one, maybe two areas over a period of time. One of the biggest mistakes is we tend to spray people with coaching. We coach to what we see and we're very triggered by what we need to correct or fix. So if you're coaching me on confidence in closing, let's say, over time, if we start to have traction and improvement, my association with coaching becomes much more positive. But if you're coaching me every other day and you're coaching me to negotiating, to prospecting, to whatever it might be, that's really tough to assimilate for a person. Number two, I always go back to a fundamental that very few people do. Very few salespeople do it. Very few coaches in the corporate world do it. And herein lies a great opportunity. That is active listening. So Andy, here's what I've heard you say. Really stopping in the moment. And I always share with managers, if you don't know where to take things, that's okay. That terrifies some managers. So I go back to when you don't know where to take things, take a deep breath, look at your notes, and paraphrase back what they said or what you thought they meant. It's a great trust builder. Number three, be authentic. If you don't know where to take things, that's okay. A coaching conversation isn't a one-time event. It's a series of conversations woven together to drive talent. And I think a lot of managers feel like they have to have answers or be in that moment to know what to do. There's nothing wrong with looking at someone and saying, wow, Andy, you've shared a lot with me today. I'm going to digest this. Let's get back together next week at a regular, you know, regular scheduled time. And I want to kind of assimilate the notes that I've taken. What employee is going to be upset by that? What they are going to feel is that they were understood. 
Yeah, which is so important. You mentioned the active listening, and I'm sitting here trying to make sure I model good behavior and listen back <laughs> to you so I can I can refer back, right? You talked about uh, the importance of planning a session and staying focused, not getting into too many different categories. Um, you talked about the importance of active listening, not just sitting there waiting to think, okay, what am I going to say next? But really listening to what the other person is saying and repeating things back to them. And by the way, I just led a session... I was running a leadership workshop a couple of weeks ago for a group of managers at a professional services firm. And we talked about the importance of this getting into coaching and just did some role play where people talked about something they're interested in for two minutes and then had the other person uh, just repeat back what they heard. And mm-hmm. it was profound. People were like, wow, I felt like I was really heard. Like it's never happened to them before. Like I, you know, <laughs> nobody ever really listens to me. And this person actually just sat there listening to me for the last minute. So active listening. And then you also talked about the importance of being authentic which I think is a critical component of leadership in 2020 and beyond. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's changed a lot. It's not about being the stoic, know-it-all manager who has all the answers. It's about being who you truly are and letting everyone else show up that way as well. Well, and I think a lot of times, I, I always share with, with managers in coaching, there's a couple things. If you ask questions, you're going to learn of somebody's strength or greatness that they don't even know they have that you certainly mm-hmm. didn't know that you had. Number two... A lot of times we teach leverage strengths. I mean, I think the Gallup organization reports, you know, people engage more when you start with strengths eight times more than when you lead with constructive feedback. Yet when we ask the question, you get called into the office, what's the employee's first impression? It's usually, uh uh-oh. Number two, one of my favorite books, The Progress Principle, talks about 76% in their study said people felt at their most motivated state when they were progressing and getting better at their job. It's not reward and money and recognition. It's, I'm getting better. Yet, if we don't acknowledge that and bring somebody into the office and say, Julie, I just want to tell you, your last three marketing reports were crisp, they were clean, they were fantastic, they were detailed. And oh, by the way, your manager's sitting in there. Guess what's going to happen? That employee's going to leave, go out to the cubicles. Everyone's going to ask her, what happened? Oh, Tim just brought me in and was praising me. And oh, by the way, Bob, his boss was in there. Guess what just happened to my personal leadership brand? It explodes. So we also share with people, do not make the mistake when you're coaching people. Don't think you're coaching someone privately one-on-one and it stays there. You're coaching everybody. And that's a, if people, managers use that strategically, it can serve them really well. Never thought about that. So when you're coaching one person in an organization and there's other people on the team, you're actually coaching everyone because that person is going to talk, whether it's positive or negative or reinforcing, whatever it is, they're probably going to tell their friend or their teammates, their colleagues, whatever it is. And people can learn from that experience and also know what kind of manager or coach you are, what they can expect from their next session. Yeah, we, we actually had a client on the East Coast that their customer service metrics were down, their sales were down a little bit. And I got the CEO's approval. We were not allowed to provide constructive feedback for 30 days. Our numbers went up 7 and 9% in the 30-day time period. Not because of us. I don't want to mislead you. Mm. Yet it reframed and managers later said in the survey, that was hard to do. So think about that. For 30 days, we're asking you to be positive. Stay away from the negative stuff. That was hard to do because we're very mm. triggered and conditioned to look for the things we need to correct. Yeah, we want to fix problems. We want to fix yeah, problems. Absolutely. A lot of times we fix problems at the expense of people. Mm. So the rumor mill and everything that happens over at the water cooler, there's never a positive conversation. Hey, did you hear Andy and Tim and their spouses went out for dinner and had a really good time? You don't hear that at the water cooler. (laughs) What you hear is you hear rumors, you hear interpretation. 
you hear employees' emotional spinning of what reality really was, and it takes on a different life form. Yet, that can be neutralized by investing, you know, feedback three times, sometimes four times. Just the little things, calling people into the office, going out there and saying in front of other employees, wow, you're doing a great job here and being specific. You're conditioning them to know what to repeat, but you're neutralizing that water cooler talk. Yeah, you want to you want to head that off of the past and also, you know, there's a lot out there about giving kind of immediate feedback, right? Not waiting too long for the next one-on-one. Absolutely. Guidance on that as well. Yeah, I I think when you're giving feedback, I'm not a big fan of the sandwich method, only for the reason when we need to give constructive feedback, I go to two schools of thought. Be targeted, be thoughtful, and let it sit on its own doesn't mean, even though they might be upset, even though they're going to feel defensive, that's okay. That's part of professional development. But if you equal that with positive feedback, calling them in for the good stuff, putting a note on their desk, leaving a sticky note at the coffee break, signing it an anonymous, and by the way, you're doing a great job, guess what happens? They become more receptive. But -hmm. if the only thing they hear is the constructive stuff, they start to emotionally shut down. So we teach people very strategically, if you're going to do it in the moment, be exact. If you're uncomfortable, ask people, do you mind, Andy, if I share with you? Get permission, not that you need it. Then they become more receptive. Doesn't mean they love you, but there are different ways to give feedback in that moment. But the goal of feedback isn't just to give it. It's to give it so someone professionally and thoughtfully receives it. Yeah, and that's how we all improve, right? We learn from the experience, our our successes and mistakes, and we learn when we get feedback from others. I mean, I could be conducting this interview, uh, I don't know, with something hanging off of my face. And if you didn't tell me, then I would never (laughs) never know, right? Uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think of a great example. Uh, It just wouldn't be going... Well, actually, right before we got on here, I got an email with uh, the survey results from a workshop that I ran recently, and it had a score and comments. And I do always get a little bit nervous when I open that up. Like, oh, what are they going to say? But I also know that I've seen comments in there that have allowed me to improve before. To think, oh, yeah, I could have done that better. In this case, by the way, it was a 5.0. And uh, all the comments were positive, which is great to hear. But we sometimes we need that constructive criticism sometimes, mm-hmm. or whatever you want to call it, feedback uh, to help us improve. And I go back to constructive feedback. There's nothing wrong with constructive feedback. But I, I always ask managers. How confident are you or how do you know that they're receiving it thoughtfully, openly, and professionally? So a lot of times when we only give constructive feedback, typically Mm -hmm. employees do this. They nod and managers will say, yeah, so what? And I go, you know what they're doing? They're waiting for you to finish and they can't wait to get out of your office. They're not really absorbing it because if it's the only message we hear, I'll share this with you as, as I coach high school volleyball and club volleyball, I had a parent complain a couple of years ago that I wasn't tough enough on the kids. And so I looked at the mother and said, so you want me to yell at your 13-year-old son? Because I was too positive. And that was weird because they were conditioned to what? Well, you know, they're not playing well. The coach has got to get on them. I'm not going to yell at a 13-year-old learning this sport. I mean, yeah. that's, a, that's a whole evolution. Yet, here was a parent coming to me. So I that's said... they expected. Absolutely. And that's what they were conditioned. I said, well, I, I'm all in. I said, just do me a favor. Get together with all the parents. Take a vote. If it's unanimous, I'd be happy to yell at all your children. And she looked at me and she goes, I don't think I'm going to talk to you the rest of the season. I'm like, great. (laughs) She was a great parent, but she was conditioned for that. And I think that when we're coaching, if you invest in good stuff, people will open their minds to where they need to improve. Mm, If you invest in good stuff, people will open their minds to where they need to improve. I like that. So, And that's investing in the people 
Is that investing in yourself? Like, what do you mean by that? Well, I think it's investing in, in individuals, into teams. You know, one of the strategies I love is when you're in a staff meeting, you know, Bob, Andy just shared a great idea about his podcast. What did you like about that idea? Get people talking positively about each other. You know, give your people what I call white space. Give them time to sit down and get to know each other, especially cross-departmentally. Because a lot of times our relationships in bigger companies are what? Our email correspondence. And we tend to throw bombs over the wall. And a lot of times we don't have what I call foundational relationships. So, you know, you and I've gotten to know each other and, you know, potentially we'll see you in Florida. If you've got two kids, you're younger, my kids are in college. And when you learn stuff about people, not that we have to become best friends, yet when only the relationship we have is work, you can, organizations can get in a little bit of trouble. So invest in the individual, invest in the team cultivation, invest in constructive feedback. Sometimes when I work with people or work with managers, we'll ask employees, what's the best way for you to receive constructive feedback? And people will look at us like, what are you talking about? Yet, sometimes when you educate them, do you want me to email you and give you some bullet points to help you mentally prepare? We'll give them choices, but they love because no one ever asked that question. What's the best way to give you constructive feedback? It authenticates the relationship and it actually co-authors the communication. Yeah, I never heard of that. I think it's a great idea. What's the best way? Because everybody has different methods of communication that they prefer, right? And different ways they like to hear things. And sometimes they need time to digest and the email could be easier. I personally would probably rather have a, a conversation, but other people might prefer to, to have that email. And um, you know, you mentioned something in there about getting to know them. And you know, you know that I have two young kids, which I appreciate. You know, you're you're getting to know me, stalking me. But uh, <laughs> joking. When I think about personal relationships at work and managers and their employees becoming more f- like friends, right? And knowing personal things. I think in the past that was very rare, right? You know, it's supposed yep. to be very separate. Do you think that's changed a lot? I think it has, and I think it provides some clarity and understanding. So I'll, I'll make this short, but I'll share a, a quick story where we did this at a client site. A gal that was very much to herself, very quiet, very polite, very nice. And we paired people up in groups of two. And what you had to do is stand up and share two things you learned about your partner, maybe one area where you had something in common. So you had to ask questions and really listen to each other. And we made people stand up for two minutes and just share. And a woman who she was paired with, I would say, was not one of the friendliest people I've ever met. She thought the training was dumb. This is ridiculous. I worked here for everybody. I know people. And through a conversation, she got paired up with a woman. Think about this financing credit. And this woman, who was not very nice, had a real angst against this other woman because every time she called, she never picked up her phone. And so when they started talking, this woman was sharing, yeah, you know, I have a son who's over in Iraq, his second tour of duty. And she said, oh, I didn't know that. And she said, yeah. She goes, well, I'm sure everybody knows. That's why I I prefer email. I just, I want to keep the phone line open. For three years, this woman had harbored a negative feeling and literally got up and introduced her partner and had tears in her eyes. She said, I have talked negatively about her. I have been harbored negative feelings towards her. I never understood why she never answered the phone. Because as a mom, she wanted to keep the phone line open for heaven forbid that terrible phone call. As a mother, she thought everybody knew it. Just by talking for two to four minutes, the departments started to realize Mm. they had been making assumptions. They started to work better together. 
So I don't know if I prescribe to everybody's got to be great friends outside of work. Yeah. But I think we have to have a foundation of understanding where people are coming from. Yeah, and get to know people, who they are. Do they have a family? Do they not? You know, what some of their likes and hobbies and things. It's, it's sure. the table stakes. Get to know people and their and their motives and how they prefer to communicate and their social styles and personalities and all that stuff. It's always going to help you be a better manager and show that you care. This episode of the Talent Development Hot Seat is brought to you by Advantage Performance Group. We help organizations develop great people. For more information about this podcast and Advantage Performance, you can go to advantageperformance.com slash hot seat. And now on to the show. All right. So one thing I'm thinking with this being a podcast for talent development professionals that we may be preaching to the choir a little bit to a lot of people that know, yeah, I know the importance of coaching and feedback, but they're trying to get their managers in their organizations to do a better job with this. So what, how can they get their managers to do more coaching, better coaching, give more feedback? So I think one of the best things that you can do in getting managers to coach is to make it easy. Have some type of a conversation model that they can follow. Don't leave coaching to this nebulous thing where we sit down and give feedback or we have our own definition of what coaching is. Have a definition. And I also really encourage organizations to use a conversation model. And we teach a model. I mean, there's a lot of companies who teach models. Grow teaches a model. The third thing is, is to also give them choices. I think when people say we're going into a coaching culture, I think people feel a little bit restricted. So the, the thing that I love to do is teach supplemental coaching. So let's say, Andy, you're struggling with confidence and sharing ideas and you want to be much more of a valuable teammate. You know, I might coach you one-on-one -on -one for eight to 10 minutes a week. Yet I might pair you up with John in a peer-to-peer -peer coaching where you interview John because he used to lack confidence. Then I might prescribe journal-based coaching where I want you to write down a time where you felt like you were lacking confidence and maybe one where you felt like confidence was growing. When you write things down, you tend to own them more. Now you've got a repository of information and sources that accelerates the talent development. So I think we have to give managers choices. And I'll tell you the biggest thing that is missing in our industry and we're actually just in the forefront of addressing it pretty aggressively, is practicing. You and I are conversing. We didn't script this out. We don't have any notes in front of us. And being authentic and fluent in conversation is very difficult for people. Got to think on the dime, think on our feet. Yet when we practice, we get a lot better. And I had a client once with the director of coaching. We were like Pavlov's dogs. He would say, Dave, you know, Tim, role play it, show us. It was never scripted. And I think if we can get people practicing conversations and practicing not being perfect, managers' relationship with this thing called coaching becomes a lot more plausible to, to pursue and execute. Yeah, it makes sense. So you mentioned uh, giving managers, getting them to, to start coaching, not so much pressure that it has to be a certain way, giving them choices when you're teaching coaching and also give them an opportunity to practice which most people don't get. You know, I talk about this a lot in my business as well. We've talked about sports already. You think about sports, think about the military. It is always practice, practice, practice before you get out in the game. But in business, we're just expected to show up and have the conversation. Yep. Well, it's, it's the number one inhibitor. I think we... Well, you and I are in the same business uh, to a certain extent. People evaluate our training. Yeah. Yet we don't work there. That application and that practice, there's an opportunity. It's not what companies are doing wrong. 
Yet it's that opportunity to continue to facilitate improvement. It's always been the bugaboo in our industry has always been what? Reinforcement. How do we continue to apply this? We as outsiders can't do that. That's why I love what I do is we can embed a coaching system. And often we will have a director of coaching. We will actually create the job for them. Yet helping people internally practice that is just huge. I did a keynote years ago in front of uh, one of my clients, a large agricultural firm. And there was about four or 5,000 people there. And I had a guy come up to me. We all had headsets. It's real serious. And he said, oh, man, that's a lot of people out there. Be confident. And I looked at him. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I forgot that part. Took off my headset like I was pretending to leave. <laughs> and he goes, what are you doing? And I was making a little bit of a joke because I knew the guy. Yet confidence comes from two things, practice and positive reinforcement. Mm. It doesn't come from constructive feedback. When I coach volleyball, I tell my kids every practice, I have a practice tonight after this podcast, I will give feedback probably a seven to eight one ratio to everyone that's constructive. We live by a notion of help people feel good about getting better and they'll keep going. Yet if they only hear, you know, rhetorical things like, oh, don't be nervous, be confident. Well, if we could push that button on people's bodies, you and I may not be in business. It takes time through conversation and it takes time through thoughtful practice. Yeah, I, I've studied this as well. It's it's fascinating. People just say like, "Be confident," and it's you know that's kind of the, the fake it, fake it till you make it, right? Yeah. But confidence comes from experience, right? And knowing mm-hmm. that you confidence means you know you can do it, which comes from doing it in the past, which comes from practice, yep, trying it, right, and getting those opportunities. And so you're getting these kids opportunities to practice, and then the feedback and coaching gives you an opportunity to get better. And you mentioned earlier about fulfillment, I believe coming from getting better from improvement as well, which is something I believe strongly in. I think I learned it from Tony Robbins many years ago that you know almost all fulfillment comes from growth. If you yep. are not growing, then you're probably not happy. And so you want people to grow in their careers. It's more motivating, like you said, than even compensation or affirmations, that sort of thing. People want to know that they're growing. Well, and, and it comes... What you're alluding to is from that book I read, The Progress Principle. I loved it. And so what we teach is progress coaching. You're coaching people to progress. And so... I always go back to help people feel good about getting better. Here's the funny thing about employees. A lot of times they don't even know they're progressing until we bring it up or we ask them. So we'll teach managers, call people into the office and say, Bob, I've noticed a big pickup in your step. Walk me through why you feel different and you look different. What do you mean? Well, you seem like you've got a lot more energy. Well, no, the job's becoming a little bit easier. Oh, how come? Well, I'm starting to understand the XYZ system. Well, how did you do that? Well, Dave over in accounting was helping me. Well, have you thanked him? Because I'd love to thank him. A lot of times people don't even affirm where they're getting better until we ask questions and get them to own their own progress. Now, if I ignored that, didn't do that, and I called him in and said, oh, by the way, your timesheet's late. I'm getting frustrated. I lost a huge opportunity there. Yeah, exactly. Same thing worse than parenting. I'm affirming my kids all the time on the things where they're, they're getting better. Tim, is there a, a trend in talent development you're following that we haven't talked about so far? Well, I think we just talked about it. I think you're starting to hear the term, we're using the term more and more as conversational leadership, Mm. practicing that, really being in the moment and conversing. And I think you just mentioned your kids sitting down. I mean, there are study after study, research after research. When kids' self-esteem is high, it's usually come from parenting where they feel understood and listened to. So I'll teach my managers, my clients, call kids into your bedroom and only give them positive feedback. And I'll have, why would you do that? 
I said, because most parents don't do it. And so when you're building up, when I coach 13-year-old boys in volleyball, people say, oh, why would you coach the young kids? They can't run half the plays. I said, I'm coaching self-esteem as much as I'm coaching volleyball. And if I can help a kid stay in the sport more and feel good about being a good teammate and all that corny stuff, that kid will benefit because most of their careers are going to end when they're 18. And so it can parlay itself. And I think we tend to lose sight of that. And so I think a big trend in movement is our ability to practice. How do we practice leadership? How do we practice the conversation? How do we practice having conversations of conflict thoughtfully and professionally and really do it where people benefit? We don't practice enough. So important. Uh, I love that conversational leadership and practice. And you can do it with your kids as well as your direct reports and anyone around you. You mentioned the book, The Progress Principle. Is there any other books that you highly recommend in this subject that have maybe made a big impact to you or you recommend a lot? The book I am reading right now, and I've read it four times, The Expertise Economy by Kelly Palmer. And it talks about, I'm going to put words in her mouth, peer-to-peer coaching. Workplace coaching is getting so big. And we have so many internal experts inside our organizations. And I think we're in the midst of the movement that we tend to think the manager, the leader has to be the coach. We're doing two projects right now with insurance companies. We're actually teaching agile coaches, people who don't have direct reports, how to coach other people. And what we're finding is they're accelerating development of people because the people feel more comfortable because they're not being coached by their boss. Now, that's not germane to every single organization. So the expertise economy talks about how to leverage pockets of internal expertise. It is by far one of the best books I've ever read. Well, that is a ringing endorsement for the expertise economy by Kelly Palmer. Awesome. And uh, I've had Kelly Palmer on this podcast. I did not know that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, just a few months ago. She's wonderful. And uh, I am all about this topic. I agree. This is where it's going. And she's definitely one to to follow and watch uh, on this kind of future of work concept. Last question for you, Tim, for anybody listening or watching live, uh, especially who is in talent development, looking for a way to really accelerate their career, be more successful in talent development. What's one more piece of advice you would give? I would say join an organization, whether it's ICF, ATD. Uh, The second thing would be go to conferences, learn from peers. I mean, I remember our first conversation. You know, our demographics are very different, but our companies are similar somewhat. You guys are bigger. I really don't practice that preaching as much as I should. So just coming down to Florida for that conference where you and I might meet up, we don't do enough of that. You're hosting your own conference. We as professionals need to do more and more of that. And so what you're doing with your conference, those are the things when you have a Josh person speaking, you know, we need to immerse ourselves and practice what we preach. Sometimes we can be immersed in kind of figuring out what we're trying to deliver. And we almost forget our own personal development. I love that. Thank you uh, for the the plug there too, because (laughs) I am a big, I'm a big fan of networking, joining organizations. I think it's one of the most, if not the most powerful thing you can do for your career because you'll learn from people. You're going to have people that can help you along the way when you run into challenges. And that's why I invest a lot of my money in going to other conferences. And that's why I decided to host my own conference, the Talent Development Think Tank, which is coming up as we record this. It'll be next week, January 22nd and 23rd. When this gets published on the podcast, it will be in the rearview mirror, but there will be another one on the horizon. So you can always check our website, talentdevelopmentthinktank.com to find out what's going on there. Tim, this has been fantastic. For anybody listening who wants to get in touch with you, connect with you, follow you, where's the best place when they go? Um, they can go to our website, 
progresscoachingleader.com. They can certainly email me at tim at progresscoachingleader.com. But I do a ton of publishing on LinkedIn. So if people want to connect, we don't put on the big sales pitch. We do a lot of thought leadership, blogging, articles, podcasts, things like that. Yeah, you and I are both very active on LinkedIn. So as I always give the plug... LinkedIn should be a sponsor for this show because I'm on yeah. there every week. Like we say, if you're not connected with us on LinkedIn, please do. You know I love LinkedIn. Shout out to them. Uh, and shout out to you, Tim, for coming on and sharing such great tips and examples today on conversational leadership and coaching. Uh, it's been great for me. I hope it has been for our listeners as well. So thanks again for coming on the Talent Development Hot Seat. Thanks, Andy. Appreciate it. All right. Take care. Hey friends, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Talent Development Hot Seat. I am always grateful for everyone who tunes in, who listens, who subscribes, and who have left reviews for our podcast on iTunes. By the way, if you haven't done that yet, it would mean the world to me. Head on over to iTunes, take one minute, write a quick review. It helps our podcast grow, and I really appreciate your support. As my gift to you, I have created a report of the top five trends impacting talent development this year. And if you haven't grabbed that report yet, you can head on over to advantageperformance.com slash trends. That's advantageperformance.com slash trends. You can download my report of the top five trends impacting talent development in 2019, as well as sign up for our newsletter to get updates on everything that is going on. Thanks again for tuning in. Thanks for listening to the Talent Development Hot Seat. If you got value out of this show, please subscribe, leave a review, and share with your colleagues and friends. We want to spread the word and add as much value to the talent development community as possible, and we need your help. As always, you can find more information and connect with me at talentdevelopmenthotseat.com. Take care.